Hear the word of God from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, located on page 885 in your pew Bibles. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them that ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, and at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As Vicky was mentioning earlier, today is the last Sunday of our Four Commitment series entitled United, and the sermon this morning is entitled United in Commitment. Will you bow your heads with me in a moment of prayer? And now, O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. The story in Acts chapter 2 of the coming of the Spirit is an unusual choice for a scripture reading at this time of year. It's normally read on Pentecost Sunday, not the end of October. But friends, there's good reason for us to reflect on this text today as we bring our fall commitment series to its climax. Over the past six weeks, we've been dancing through the book of Acts, listening to stories from the early church that revealed the remarkable commitment made by those early believers to be united in worship, giving, mission, evangelism, and devotion. The daring suggestion that has been made is that the example of these women and men really can be taken to heart by each of us. That the story we're busy writing with our lives can be a reflection of their story a bit like a musical variation of a melody that they first played and sang to which we now add our own notes and voices in glorious harmony. Imagine what it would mean for Hyde Park United Methodist if each one of us were fully committed to playing our part in this great symphony of grace that has sounded through the church of God 
across the ages. Imagine what it would mean for the world. Imagine what it would mean for you. What would you be willing to give for your life to be a part of something like that? That's what we've been exploring in this series, United. Today, as we conclude the series, we circle back to the story that explains how it all began, how this kind of commitment is made possible and sustainable, not just for those early believers, but also for the likes of us. There are two things about this story that I'd ask you to notice. The first, quite simply, is this. Pentecost was something that God did. It was God's idea, God's initiative, God's doing. The disciples did nothing to control the outpouring of the Spirit. It happened as part of the even bigger story of God's unfolding commitment to love and redeem the world. Secondly, notice what happened to the group of believers as a consequence of what God did that day. Prior to the day of Pentecost, the believers were a tightly knit group that numbered 120 people. They all knew each other. They spoke the same language. They ate the same food. They probably even supported the same football team. The Galilee Gators or Samaria Seminoles or whatever. But all of that changed on the day of Pentecost. Suddenly that homogenous little group of 120 exploded as 3,000 people were added to their number that day from every nation under heaven and that was just the beginning. Because of what God was doing, they found themselves part of something so much bigger than what they could have possibly ever imagined, and it felt like their hearts were on fire. It was like a breath of fresh air. No, rather a rushing wind that blew them out into the street with a courage and conviction they had never known before. They were united in their commitment to make known the goodness and greatness of God. And as a consequence, they came alive in ways like they had never experienced before. Don't you long to be swept up in a similar way? Don't you long to give yourself to something so much more than the mediocrity of a narrow, insular life. It's a longing that has been placed within all of us by the grace of God. And so let me share with you a personal story that illustrates what that can be like. At the start of ninth grade, way back in the dim mists of time, I was sent to Kersney College, a boys-only high school in South Africa. 
Soon after arriving, I discovered to my dismay that I had somehow been drafted into the Kersney College Cadet Band. I'm still not sure how it happened, but let me tell you, this was a calamity. (laughs) You must understand that at the time, difficult as it may be to picture, I was a rather gawkish, gangly, uncoordinated teenager a mere shadow of the strapping specimen of a man (laughs) who stands before you today. That's a bit too much laughter, Vicky. (laughs) And so getting drafted into the cadet band was bad news because I knew straight away that a bunch of awkward, pimply teenagers butchering the Green Berets while trying to keep in step and in line was never going to be a great crowd puller, especially for the young women of St. Mary's, the girls' only high school just down the road, who would come and watch the jocks play football or water polo, but weren't known to drool over a marching tuba player, no matter how skillful he might be. To make matters worse, at the first band practice, I was issued with my instrument, a bugle. For the uninitiated, let me assure you that the bugle is right up there with the triangle when it comes to exciting musical instruments. (laughs) It can play a grand total of five different notes, if you're good. For us, we could manage just two, a G and a C. And so for the first six months, every single leaping tune we played was scored for bugle with just two notes. The most interesting sounded something like this. Ba, 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 ba. (laughs) Can you feel my pain? But then midway through that year, As I was on the verge of developing some serious bugle-induced personality disorder, a strange twist of fortune changed my destiny. The fat kid who had been playing the big bass drum developed a severe case of shin splints or ingrown toenails or something and could no longer continue in that distinguished role. Immediately, I volunteered my services and was accepted This was much better than the bugle. On the bass drum, I got to make much more noise. I learned how to do those fancy, twirly things with the drumsticks. I even got to wear the seriously impressive leopard skin. Where were those St. Mary's women now? (laughs) And so it was in the November of that year that the Kersney College Cadet Band, with me as its bass drummer, was invited to lead a military parade through the streets of Pietermaritzburg. It was quite a nerve-wracking prospect. As the bass drummer, I would be the one responsible for beating out the time for an entire regiment marching behind us. But I'd practiced all the twirls and fancy flourishes, and so I was quietly confident that I would make quite an impression as we marched past the mayor and other dignitaries and the admiring masses and high school girls lining the streets of Peter Maritzburg. The parade was at 12 noon 
on a blistering hot summer's day. The temperature was about 95 degrees. I was in full battle regalia. My harness pulled as tight as possible to carry the considerable weight of the big bass drum. I was wearing this hot leopard skin. As we stood to attention for about 20 minutes before the start of the parade, in that sweltering heat, I started to feel decidedly woozy. I wasn't the only one. One of the trombone players, in fact, fainted and missed the entire parade, which wasn't actually such a bad thing because he was very short. And having a very short trombone player in a men's marching band is never a good idea. You work it out. <laughs> On the stroke of 12 noon, the parade began. The regimental sergeant major barked out a command and we started marching with yours truly giving the beat. And that's when it happened. I don't know if it was because of the heat or that sweltering leopard skin or because my blood sugar levels had dropped or maybe it was because my harness was too tight and it cut off the blood supply. But as soon as we started marching, I discovered that I had absolutely no control of my left arm whatsoever. It had gone completely lame and just dangled by my side in a paralyzed, spastic kind of way. I'm sure you can appreciate that this was not a good thing. In a state close to panic, I managed to hitch the spastic arm onto the bass drum. And for the rest of the parade, I had to beat out double time with my one good arm. <laughs> Needless to say, there were no fancy frills or flashy flourishes from me that day. No dazzling displays of bass drumming brilliance. Just double quick time with one arm. My mates told me afterwards that it was actually quite impressive <laughs> in an energizer bunny kind of way. <laughs> Friends, I share that tragic tale at some length because I think it can serve as some kind of parable for our lives, especially as we think about the commitments we're being asked to make today. In my experience, very few people embark on the grand adventure of life content to play just two notes on a bugle. Most people have exciting ideas and dreams about what their lives will be like. Ideas and dreams about making a difference, about finding inspiration and significance, about aspiring to, to, to true greatness. But then, through the circumstances of life, or choices motivated by selfishness or fear, or moments of paralyzing indecision or creeping ill-discipline, they find themselves drafted into something they never anticipated, a bland, mediocre kind of existence in which they learn to play some mindless tune given to them by someone else, and they accept that that's just the way things are. A dead-end job that sucks the life out of them. Or impossibly long working hours that does the same thing. 
or a toxic relationship where destructive patterns are repeated over and over again, or a way of living trapped by the need always to please others, or the unbearable burden of always having to be perfect, or a lifestyle enslaved by the superficiality of material things. It's a bit like playing two notes on a dumb bugle, and people end up accepting that that's just the way it is. And they try to make peace with their mediocre lives, but they can't, because the truth is they've been made with a bigger purpose in mind. Others try to take hold of their lives to make something more of it, which of course is commendable. And so they find a drum and start to beat it, and maybe even a flashy leopard skin to put on. And so they start marching through life to the beat of their own drum, building their career, accumulating possessions and prestige and power, moving on up in the world. But it's a short-term strategy that can't be sustained. Because sooner or later they discover a strange paralysis creeping over them, a tiredness that makes it harder and harder just to keep up, reducing their efforts to nothing more than the frenetic beating of a little drum. And they find themselves asking, why am I doing this? It's a good question. Because the truth is, they've been made with a bigger purpose in mind. As have you and me. It's the bigger purpose of God's dream for the world. A dream for the healing, renewing, transforming love of God to be made real in every person and every circumstance. That's why the Spirit was poured out on Pentecost and the church was birthed. That's why this church exists, to make God's love real. And it's why there's a longing within you that will not go away to give yourself afresh to something beyond yourself. Hear the good news. That longing within you can be satisfied today. Because today, you can commit yourself afresh to being a part of this bigger purpose of what God is already doing. That's why we've been bold in asking you to fill out a commitment card as part of this United series. It's one way to give concrete expression to the particular part that you will play here, the money that you will give, the service that you will offer, the presence that you will bring. If you haven't already done so, I urge you, for the love of God, to do so today. And together, <clears throat> as the people of Hyde Park, we will be united in commitment to the honor and glory of God. Amen.